Welcome to the weekly podcast of Upper Room Christian Fellowship in Lincoln, Nebraska. Thank you for listening. If you would stand with me in the reading of the Word of God. Let's start verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but receive the spirit of adoption, whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the reading of your word. We pray, Lord, now that your spirit would teach us and minister to us in and through your word. Help us to understand Teach us to really take the heart. Help us to know what it means to be led by the Spirit this morning. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Come, let us worship and bow down. Well, in 9 through 11, what did we learn? We learned that believers, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. Verses 12 through 13, we owe our flesh, our old self, nothing. That word according means to go along with, to be on the way with, as if hand by hand. Verse 14, we learn what? As being sons of God, we are being led by the Holy Spirit. What does that word led mean? Well, it's a verb. It means to be willingly be led, to lead by laying hold of. This way, to bring to the point of destination, it's yielding to the Holy Spirit. The question does not require the thought of, do you have the Holy Spirit? But, does the Holy Spirit have us? Is He leading in our lives? Now, there's a difference here, and Spurgeon brings it out clearly. He says, it does not say as many are driven by the Spirit of God. No, the devil is a driver. And when he enters either into men or into hogs, he drives them furiously. Remember how the whole herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. Whenever you see a man fanatical and wild, whatever spirit is in him, it is not the Spirit of Christ. The Holy Spirit leads. does not drive. Well, it's kind of interesting, because when Jesus was, if you will, led to the, go to the wilderness to be tempted by Satan, each gospel uses a different word. And I think actually it clarifies. 
In Matthew it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That word led up is anago. How's that for Greek? I don't know Greek. But it means to lead or bring into a higher place. Or, if you will, it means to launch out, set sail, put to sieve. It's passive. It's like he, he set out in the moorings and set the sail and then waited. Now, in Mark's Gospel, it says this. Immediately, the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. Uh Uh-oh, we just said the Spirit doesn't drive, leads. Well, this word, it can mean cast, drive, or send out, but it also means to compel, one to depart, to bid one to depart. In stern, though not violent language, the Spirit, if you will, begins to blow the sails. So now the ship is being driven. Now, in Luke's Gospel, Luke says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. What's the same word we have here? It means to lead by the laying hold, this way to bring to the point of destination. So it's us Letting go of the dock, the moorings, us setting sail and saying, Lord, where you lead me, I will go. Does that describe us? I remember something. Just like I was just, just talking to somebody. We're in a school. See, it's an interesting school, if you will, and it, it really is an exciting one if you take it to heart. See, you all, myself included, are learning what it means to hear, to listen to the voice of God through His Spirit. To be led. To understand what it means to be a child of God. The promises that have been given to us. If you will, God's trying to encourage each of us to do something. You know what it is? Let go of the dock. Just let go. Trust me. I will lead you where you need to go. I'm not promising you that it's going to be fun because there's going to be storms ahead, which we'll get into. But I promise you this, if you let me lead you, then you will have a life. Well, wait, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's go on. To be led by the Spirit of the living God. Now, if we're wise, we see how the enemy of our souls cannot drive us from within, loves to manipulate us from the outside and drive us into our flesh. He likes to stir up those desires, those feelings, whether they're good or bad. He likes to somehow mess up the cells. Because when that happens, we take down the cells, we go back to the dock and say, it's about me. I feel out of control. I need to be in control. Now look at verse 15. For you do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Notice something here. Drives us to bondage, to self, to sin, or if you will, the law. You can do better. You just need to try harder. Again, 
to fear, which brings us to fear of not being worthy, out of control, separated from God. Contrast, the Holy Spirit leads us. For if you notice again, what does it say? That you receive the spirit of adoption by whom you cry out, Abba, Father. See, the Spirit leads us, drawing us near to the Father. Setting the sails, the Spirit says, I'm going to take you into His presence. As many of you also just entered in as through worship. The Spirit leads us into His presence so we can say, Abba, Daddy. In Galatians 4, 6, it says, Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Daddy, Father. But see, what's interesting is, is that in 1 John 1, 3, it also says, That which we have seen and heard, John declares, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So if you will, it's not something that's obscure, but it's, it's something that is experiential, that God wants us to experience. Not only calling Him Daddy, but understanding what that means is that you're in a relationship. He desires to have fellowship with you. Now, think about that. The God, the Creator of all things, wants to fellowship with you. As a child, His child, now it becomes clearer why James says, therefore, whether you're going to be driven by the enemy or you're led by the Spirit, listen, James says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Now, it makes sense, doesn't it? God's saying, come here, come here. Stop worrying about tomorrow. Stop worrying about how you look. Stop worrying about how you sound. Stop worrying about you. Trust me, let go. Put the sails up and let me lead you. I lead you into the Father's presence. That you understand what it means to fellowship with Him. Second thing I want you to notice too is that He says what? Into the spirit of adoption. Now, David Guzik says it this way. In the Roman world of the first century A.D., an adopted son was a son deliberately chosen by his adopted father to perpetuate his name and inherit his estate. He was no whit inferior to status to a son born in the ordinary course of nature. Under Roman adoption, the life and standing of the adopted child changed completely. The adopted son lost all rights of his old family, gained all new rights with his new family. The old life of the adopted son was completely wiped out with all the debts being canceled, nothing from his past counting against him anymore. What does it mean? It means that you and I, when we were adopted into his family, it wasn't like we were these infants. No. What's interesting, you are adopted as an adult. Even you children, you are adopted as adults. You are given adult rights. That's why we're co-heirs with Christ. So not only he wants fellowship with us, he's saying, you are mine, you're my child, I have adopted you, I've given you the rights and privileges of my son. Whoa. Really? Really? We'll go on. Not only he leads us in the spirit of adoption, he also knows this, he leads us away from the bondage and the fear. What are you afraid of? 
See, again, hanging on to the dock, I'm afraid to let go. I'm afraid of what I'll see, what I'll experience, what I'll have to do. And we're not trusting the one who created us, knows everything that we can and can't do, but also understands that when he pushes us to the limits, then we find that our strength's not in ourselves, but that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So now it's understanding that the wind that's blowing is the force that created all things and desires to move in your life and my life. And again, what does he require? Let go, take my hand. Trust me. Now look at verse 16. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. As He leads us, He bears witness, He testifies, He affirms what? That we are His children. So not only is it like He grabs us by the hand, He keeps reminding us. It's okay, you're His child. It's okay, you're His son, you're His daughter. It's okay, He loves you. It's okay, He's with you. He's never going to forsake you. He's always going to be here by your side. And I'm here to remind you of these good things. Let me lead you. Trust me. The other thing that we notice is that what? It's like I said, we belong to God. What do you think about that? Well, as children, you belong to your parents, if you will. Your children belong to you. Well, hopefully that will continue. I keep hearing these stories of uh, kids being taken away from their parents. Recently, I just heard of a, a mother that slapped her teenage son because he was being very disrespectful and calling her names, and she slapped him. They took her child away from her. What have we done? Can you imagine that? But again, getting away from it, the truth of the matter is, is that you belong to God. And who's going to take you away from God? Jesus said, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me. For they are yours, and all are mine are yours, and yours are mine. I am glorified in them. In a, in a parable he was speaking of himself, he says, And the king will answer and say to them, I surely say to you, inasmuch as you did this to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. You belong to me. I can't help but having to read this one in Zechariah. It says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, He sent me after glory to the nations which plunder you. For he, listen, for he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. You belong to God. So, no matter the storm, no matter whatever else that you're going through, no matter the, actually, success. Success is a, if you will, can be also a distraction. Whatever you go through. He's saying that not only that you're going to make it because I'm with you, but he's saying you're mine and God's got a plan and a purpose for all things that you're going through. Trust me, you're going to go to the other side as I'm leading you. You belong to God. Just let that just kind of rattle around in your brain. Just think about it for a second. If you really do belong to God... If God says, that's mine, that child is mine, then who is going to question it? That you are His. 
Proven it by what? Dying on the cross for us as much as He loves us. So we belong to Him. But also notice something. We're calling Him Abba Father. So again, that would mean we are what? We are children. So what does that also bring us out to? That He's leading us in His love. First John 3, 1 John 3.1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Let me read that again. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Well, of course people aren't going to get it. But you do. And see, that's the beauty of being led by His Spirit. Reminding us that we are His. And His love for us, well, we'll get into that later in this chapter, is amazing. Oh, if we could just take hold of this. No, if we could just take the hand of the Spirit and just trust Him as He leads us. Look at verse 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. That word heirs, it's one who receives his allotted possession by rights. Sonship. So adopted as sons and daughters, we also have an inheritance. Co-heirs with Christ, Scripture says. So, if you will, we have become royalty. (laughs) He's a king. You are a king's child. Heirs to a throne. Oh, not the throne, but thrones. We shall reign with him. Listen to a few scriptures. Galatians chapter 4, 6 through 7. And because you are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, an heir of God through Christ. And Ephesians 1, 14 says, Who is the spirit, a guarantee of our inheritance, till the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. In Revelation 5, 10 it says, He has made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on earth. So if you will, the Spirit is leading us to reign. Your royalty. Oh, don't get huffy and puffy and all that other good stuff, but your royalty only because you're a co-heir with Him who is the King of kings. You are royalty because you are a child of God. God declares you are mine. There's no room for pride here. There's just room for, oh, let my sails be extended. Blow wind, blow spirit, take me wherever you desire. For I am yours and you are mine. Do as you will. Help me to grab hold of this, that you have declared me as royalty, as a co-heir to your son. Get me out of the way. Let me not be afraid, for you're trying to send me away from fear. For God has not given me the spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. Uh, Let's go. Where do I sign up? You've already signed up. So let go of the dock. Put the sails up. Let Him lead you. He'll carry you where you need to be. And remember something, wherever that is, It's His work that He is doing. What's He doing? To be glorified together with Christ. Glorified. To impart 
glory to another. Render it excellent. So not only has he declared you royalty, he's saying, I'm also making you glorious. Let me lead you. Let me take you on. Let me help you understand that he leads us as he changes us. You're not going to be the same person in heaven. Oh, thank God. I'm so glad you're not going to be the same person in heaven. I don't know if I could stomach you for eternity. I say that tongue in cheek because you'd also have to stomach me for eternity. Can you imagine? No, see, you and I will be perfect. No more of those thoughts of inferiority or any other things that would keep you separated from others. That you will be complete. You will be made new. As He's leading us, He's conforming us into the image of His Son. He also leads us into holiness. We shall be perfect. Peter puts it this way. He says, As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. He's taking our hand, if you will, or the wind blowing through the sails, and everything God does is perfect. Everything God does is good. And the work that He is doing in you, the work that He's doing in me, is going to be perfect. But, again, if you will, the thing that hinders work is if the thing that you're working on keeps moving. That's why if you're doing intricate work, especially with wood, metal, what you have to do is clamp it down so it doesn't move. So it stays there. Now, there's been times I've cut things or I've done something in a hurry and that wood goes, and I thank God nobody's standing there. And typically when I'm doing that in a hurry, I'm making sure nobody is around me. Now, those were earlier mistakes and trust me, I didn't do that very often. But I've heard of people getting hurt by that, standing next to a piece of wood or if somebody's grinding it and it shoots out. That's why you need to clamp it down so you can do the work. You can do it work safely. Now when God does the work, again, are we moving? Are we jumping? Are we going back to the dock? Are we letting go? Why? Because again, I'm scared. I don't like it. It hurts. It's painful. It's not fair. Why is it that somebody else always gets the easier way? Our perspective. But see, we have to understand something. Each ship, each person has uniqueness to themselves. God created it. God created each of us differently, uniquely made. As the stars are in the heaven, as the grains of sand, as the snowflakes. Everything is unique. The beauty is, is that God knows everything about us. He knows what's best for us. He knows the work that He's doing is always good. And may I bring this up once again. In heaven, you are not going to go, oh my goodness, God, really? Couldn't have done better? 
trust me, each one of us will say, wow. You know, like, they pull away the bus, move that bus, and the house is there, and the people are going, oh, wow. You know, and then they're walking through the house, they're going, oh, this is great, you're wonderful, this is beautiful. And you really wonder, they have, do they really believe that? I'm sure it's an improvement, but tastes are really unique, you know. And I can see a lot of people going through these, yeah, we've got to change that. Look at the paint on that. That's terrible. It's not going to be like that. It's move that bus and guess what? You're going to be standing there going, whoa, this is amazing. And you're not going to be looking at Caleb because he's going to be, you know, hair way down there and teeth shining and everything and glowing, you know. And you're going, why couldn't I be like Caleb? You're not going to do that because you're going to be perfect in yourself. And may I say, too, that the image that God's using to make all of us is conforming to the image of His Son. Amazing. He also leads us to usefulness. Now, I'm not going to go too much into this, but because it's, it's long. But it's a very familiar verse. It says, in Galatians chapter 5, Paul says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Or in our vernacular, really what we're saying here is, let go, let God, but hoist the sail. Be willing to be yielded and to be led. Let God do His thing. The flesh, again, is putting myself first. Putting my sinful nature first, because I need this, I want this, I like this. These are the things that hinder what God wants to do. To see the works of the flesh are evident and goes into all these sins that I'm going to skip, not because I don't want to bring you down, but that it's not used really time to do. We'll just keep going. Because why? Because the fruit of the Spirit is what God wants to do in you. And that is love. It's joy. Peace. It's patience. It's kindness. It's goodness. It's faithfulness. It's gentleness. It's self-control. Who's that for? Those that have let go of the dock, set the sail, and said, Lord, take it all. Be the captain. Be the wind. I will follow. I'll be the child. I'll hold your hand. Help me to stop thinking myself first. Lead me on, Lord. So the last question would be, so where is he leading us? <laughs> where do you usually lead? Remember, it's to a destination, is what it said, what led meant. He's leading us home. In Psalm 73, 23 and 24, it says, Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards, you receive me to glory. Home. Now, have you ever been with somebody that thinks they know where they're going, then you find out that you don't know, they don't know where they're going, and you're lost? And now you have to ask for directions. Saying that as a man, because I remember very early in our life, my wife and I were driving, 
I couldn't find a place. She kept saying, pull over. Ask somebody. I'm like, no, I'm not going to. I can find it. I'm a man, okay? I know how this is. I see the streets. I'll figure this out. So, I don't know how long it was. Maybe two hours later. No, it wasn't that long. We end up finding it. And I looked at her and I said, see? She goes, we would have been there at least ten minutes earlier if you just asked. He knows where to take us. He knows the way. He's leading us home. And every one of us eventually is going to get there. We're going home. So the question again is who's governing us? Me? Or God's Spirit? I've been looking at everything we just talked about. Just consider a few things here. If God be for us, then who can be against us? If, if God's leading, then He knows the way, then regardless of what the bumps and bruises and whatever things that we go through, we know that He's going to be there beside us. As we're going to get into, life is not easy. But when He's standing by your side, then what's there to be afraid of? What's there to hold on to to keep us discouraged? We know that in a moment changes all things and when He's with us, then the changes will always end up being for good. But again, what does it mean? Let go of the moorings. Let go of the dock. Set the sails. Let Him take you. Yield yourself to His Spirit. Let Him lead. Say, Lord, You are the governing authority over my life. No more me. No more will I take down the sail. Now, I wish I could tell you that after this message, you're all going to be all just good spirit-filled people walking, letting the sails, like Jed's over there, the sails are all blowing by, and there goes Jed, the wind blowing through his hair. Well, it's not very thick, so we got to pick somebody with longer hair there. The wind's blowing through the hair and everything. Eli, your hair's blowing back. It's just blowing, you know. Julie's up there, her hair's blowing back, and everybody's standing on the like this in the bow, and there's the wind and sails, and they're just going straight forward. And everybody goes, hey, how you doing? Look, good to see you. My cells are up too. It's not like that. It's hard. Why is it hard? Because we got a problem. The problem is you. The problem is me. You have experiences. You have things that make you scared. There's things that you just feel so insecure to hold on to the moorings. You hold on to the dock. You hold on. Why? Because people will see you for who you are. People will understand you. They'll see through the cracks. You're not so spirit-filled. You're not such a godly person. You're a failure. You don't know if you can do it. Well, remember something. It didn't say that you force the Spirit to do it. It all says to be yielding to the Spirit. It's all about Him, not you. Not comparing ships. Because see, the work down here is messy. And the work here has to be continued for His purpose and His glory. But this isn't the final destination. An old pastor used to always take this 
sewed up mess, if you will, on one side. You know, I know you probably heard this story, but it does illustrate it perfectly. And he'd go into hospitals with this and people be asking him questions. Why me? Why me? And you know what? That's, that's, if you will, it's kind of the one thing that's, well, one of many things that really is a bummer for a pastor because I don't know. I don't have all the answers. I don't know what God's doing. But it is kind of like a jumble mess. And this, if you look at the stitches and everything, it doesn't mean, doesn't look like it has any purpose, any meaning or anything. And then he goes, it's like your life. I, I can't tell you, but all I can tell you is God's at work. Because you're his child. And when you're his child, then he always completes his work. Because you can be confident of this very thing, that he, who has begun this good work, is going to complete it. And I, I wish I have a better answer for you, but I don't. But all I can do is tell you that eventually it's going to look like this. And then he'd flip it over and very beautifully stitched, it would say, Jesus. And see, that's the way all of our, a lot of our lives are. I don't know why you're going through the things you are. I don't know why it's so tough in some ways. I don't know why you have certain insecurities. <clears throat> I don't know why, for some reason, you're afraid of mice. I don't understand any of these things. I'm sorry. It's an inside joke. I'll have to hold on to this. <clears throat> I shouldn't have looked at the person. See, even, again, we don't understand these things. But God does. God sees you. You belong to God. You're His. He's at work. Set the sails. Set the sails. Trust him. He's leading. You stand with me. I got to do something here. I guess let's see here. called the Lord's Prayer. But it's your prayer. It's my prayer. If you, if you notice the first two words. See, it's to, again, Jesus was presenting something to them to help them to understand that my Father is your Father. And my Father sees your needs. That you, because of what I am doing, becoming a part of our family, that you can say this with assurance that He hears you because you're His child. So, if you will, together, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, 
the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now unto Him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you in His presence of glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty both now and forever. Set sail, my brothers and sisters. 